The Kern Institute Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Medical Education Matters. I'm Michael Brown. We're excited to announce the launch of a new series that explores the intersection of philosophy and medicine, and it reflects the work being done at the Medical College of Wisconsin by our P-Metal Lab. Now, what is P-Metal? That stands for Philosophies of Medical Education Transformation Lab. Where does the A come from? That is one of the mysteries that the P-Metal Lab likes to explore. So today, we're going to talk to the two hosts of the new series, Dr. Fabrice Jodorand and Dr. James Woodruff. And we want to hear a little bit more about their vision for the new series, and then talk a little bit about this intersection of philosophy and medicine and medical education and understand what that looks like, especially in practice. Now, in fitting with the P-Metal series here, we've also got some awesome new music, which has a metal edge to it for their series. So let's kick that off now. One, two, three, four. Well, welcome, Fabrice and Jim. Fabrice Jodorand, Jim Woodruff. Would you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds? Give us give us the 10-second summary. Fabrice, you go first. Well, thank you, Michael, for uh, leading this uh, episode today. I'm a professor of bioethics and medical humanities and the director of the graduate program in bioethics at the Center for Bioethics and Medical Humanities at the Medical College of Wisconsin. But more importantly, in the, in the context of this podcast, I'm the director of the Philosophies of Medical Education Transformation Lab at the Kern Institute. Jim, how about you? Yes, Mike. Uh, I'm professor and dean of students at the Pritzker School of Medicine at the University of Chicago, and I'm a former, former internal medicine program director. Well, welcome to you both. Here's where we have to start, and I'm a little embarrassed that we're starting here. One of the subjects that I've never taken a class in and that I truly feel I missed out on when I was an undergrad is anything in philosophy, never took intro to philosophy or anything else. Can you tell me what did I miss by not taking that? Because I imagine there are some of our listeners who are in the same boat as I am, and, and maybe we're all a little ignorant as to the deficits in our lives from not having taken a philosophy class. Well, Jim, do you want me to start or do you want to go? Uh, it would be interesting to see what a philosopher would, uh, what a physician would answer uh, about this question. Now, of course, I mean, I taught philosophy, but uh, Jim, do you want to try to answer first this question? Sure, Fabrice. Michael, I would say you didn't miss anything at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, actually, I was very interested in philosophy back then, but actually found the the learning at the level of of college to be sort of bland. And um, I certainly was able to improve upon my writing, but um, philosophy really didn't uh, have as much meaning to me at that particular point in time. It's only later on, after years and years of practice and working in complex environments, that actually philosophy has really become uh, incredibly meaningful and powerful to me uh, as I navigate my life and my work. I want to touch more on that in a sec, because that's such an interesting answer, Jim, and, and frankly makes me feel a little better. But Fabrice, do you, I mean, do you feel that same way about undergraduate philosophy? What was your experience like? Obviously, something in philosophy grabbed a hold of you. 
Yes, uh, but I would tend to disagree with Jim. I think if um, somebody tells me that philosophy was, uh, you didn't miss anything, I think the problem we have is we have this dichotomy in terms of, especially today, where we emphasize the stems and uh, everything that is related to the humanities ideas is considered irrelevant. But if we want to train the whole human being, if we want to, you know, really provide an education of the whole human being, then uh, we need to have philosophy as part of that particular education. The problem we have now in medical education is a result of that. People like Jim coming back uh, years later and say, oh, this is what I miss and suddenly have an epiphany. So in my view, it's better to grab students as an undergrad we need to to teach differently philosophy and make it relevant to the real world. And by doing so, then we're going to have medical students who really understand why the humanistic side of medicine is so important. It's not just about knowledge. It's not about technical skills, but there is also the kind of humanistic, the world of values. And this is the problem we have right now in medical education. So I understand why Jim says that, but I think it's uh, upon us philosophers to make it more relevant, interesting, integrate it into, even if you're a pre-med student, say, hey, this is why it's relevant if you want to pursue a career in medicine. No, it's interesting, Jim. I feel like you made exactly that observation where you said those intro classes, those big survey courses where we're going to cover, you know, I mean, how many thousands of years of history and how many basic theories you have this understanding. Exactly what it was lacking was that application. And only later on in life did you make that connection. Is that, is that a fair kind of summation of what you were saying? Absolutely, Michael. And I, and I think I very much appreciate Fabrice's comments. Uh I think things do need to change at the level of the undergraduate level to make this um, information more meaningful uh, to our students. I think there's a branch of philosophy that allowed me to really appreciate what philosophy has to offer to me, both as a physician and a person um, that understood that historically philosophy was a way of life and not really an academic endeavor. Uh, And the more often our teachers of philosophy think about their teaching as preparing students for life itself and the work that they do, I think the better off our students are going to be. I appreciate, again, uh, Fabrice's comments. That idea of there being a school of philosophy that you kind of relate to or connect to, is that kind of universal in philosophy? It does seem like there are a lot of different perspectives and almost students are asked to like choose what's the perspective you fall on. Um, I'm going to connect this to a a recent historical figure, a controversial one, Sam Bankman-Fried and this idea of effective altruism, this notion that they've all seized upon this idea as the one defining way to think about things and we're using it to organize their lives. Is that idea of picking a school of philosophy and like sticking to it, is that a thing in philosophy, Fabrice? Yeah, absolutely. And so philosophy is not just about application only. It's also about a set of beliefs, a worldview, what we call a metaphysical framework that will in some ways shape how you understand reality. And so this is why uh, uh, either philosophy is construed as something esoteric uh, that nobody cares because it's it's out there and uh, it's irrelevant to the real world, or it's just applied, and uh, but then it becomes very pragmatic and utilitarian. 
I think we need to provide both perspectives. It provides a set of values, a worldview, but also it, you have to take these set of beliefs and apply them in the professional settings, uh, setting like in medicine. So I think it's it's both. It's to shape the way we understand the world. But in addition, it's also a way to shape your mind. You know, what is missing in, from my perspective, what I see among medical students uh, um, is the lack of cri critical thinking, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and so by taking courses in the humanities, in philosophy and beyond, uh, you become a, a better critical thinker. You can engage with ideas. This is very relevant to the practice of medicine in terms of uh, making clinical judgments, et cetera. But we, we're going to talk more about uh, these type of topics uh, throughout the podcast and, and maybe today. Yeah, well, I, I hear that excitement in your voice. You you used a word when you started that answer that I've heard a lot, but I don't know what it means. And Fabrice, I'm not going to ask you what it means because I don't want your philosopher's answer. I want I want Jim's answer. What does the word metaphysics mean? I don't think it has anything to do with, uh, you know, the field of study of physics. Um, what, what does it mean? Well, the way I think about metaphysics is that it is the fundamental assumptions we make about our goals for problem solving and also the, the nature of the system that we're problem solving in. Um, as people living on planet Earth, um, problem solving is really about reality. Like, and, and, and the question of what our goal is, is what is our goal as human beings or Americans or physicians? And this is a question that Fabrice very often likes to ask, what is the purpose you know, of medicine? Uh, and to practice medicine that is biomedicine without addressing these fundamental assumptions means that you could be taking these very powerful tools um, and ideas in just about any direction, when in fact, we hope they're taking things in a very particular direction that benefits our patients um, at the individual level. Now, that, I think, is a perfect summation of how this topic connects to medicine and, and that kind of relevance, as well as the broader framework to medical students. Um, I want to tap into this passion now, because what I'm hearing from both of you is a lot of excitement about this topic and almost a sense of wanting to jump forward as fast as possible to get into this meaty issues. So I'm going to ask, why this topic? What is this passion that drives you? Why are we here today thinking about a podcast on this topic? Fabrice, you want to start? So the idea uh, of the podcast is to, to talk about various topics at the intersection of medicine, philosophy, and medical education. And as you mentioned, you know, we talk about metaphysics. It's very relevant, as Jim mentioned, it's very relevant to medicine, to medical education. But the problem is, is the perception of what metaphysics is, right? And so the idea of the podcast is to bring these big concepts and show them why they're relevant in how we train future physicians, in how we conceptualize medicine, uh, the, the, the various concepts that we use in medicine, like health and disease. What is the nature of the patient-physician relationship? And so um, when Jim and I started having this discussion about, I realized that uh, he was interested in medicine, uh, in philosophy. I'm interested in the philosophy of medicine and medicine, clinical practice, medical education. 
And we thought this was the perfect way in a podcast to bring these discussions, these academic discussions, and really try to, to have a broader audience and reach a broader audience in terms of clinicians, medical educator, uh, um, students, and, and a broader audience, people just interested in the topic. Yeah, Michael, let me be even a little bit more specific about why philosophy is important to medicine and why it's important to have a podcast like this that shares these ideas. Contemporary medicine has a habit of being very insular. That is, it's unwilling to think about problems through um, other lenses than a very narrow um, lens that is based upon the, the, the tenets of science. And um, it has accepted these assumptions in a very unchallenged way and oftentimes very unconscious as we navigate the complexity of patient care. That's very restricting in, um, in the way we approach our, our problems. And the result is that there are significant negative consequences for our patients or trainees and, and for society at large. And um, that's a disservice uh, to, to those entities. So we, we need to think more critically about how we approach our problems, acknowledge the complexity of the work that we do. Um, and the best way for us to, to challenge those set assumptions is to do some form of critical analysis of the work we do as physicians. And philosophy offers just a whole variety of tools and concepts for understanding where we are falling short uh, for our patients, for society, and honestly, for the practitioners uh, that we work with. And then if I may add, uh, an important point that we try to do is our understanding of medicine is based on three pillars, science, what we call techne or technical skills, and then the humanistic side. And what is needed is to have a comprehensive discussion about how these three pillars are integrated, how they fit together. And if you remove, I mean, currently in medical education, we emphasize the scientific and the, the technical uh, or the skills, right, or the technical dimension. But the humanistic side, in some ways, it's um, has been marginalized. And this is because of the assumptions that are embedded in medical education and in medicine. So the role of the podcast is to discuss these various pillars and then show the importance of the humanistic side for the practice of medicine. Yes, there is the scientific dimension, the technical skills, but so this is why we need to, to, to have a comprehensive approach to, to, to medicine and how is this relevant to, to medical education? Well, it's up to us to make that uh, that claim. And hopefully we'll, we, we can do that through the podcast. It seems like a, a podcast, especially one that features conversations and interaction, can be a really fascinating way to start challenging some of these unconscious assumptions. And I'm wondering, for the two of you, is that something that you see in your role as educators, this job of identifying those assumptions and then challenging them? Is that a key part of your, your work? Absolutely, Michael. Uh, so as a former internal medicine program director, I see my role as an educator as helping trainees not only acquire fund of knowledge and skill sets, but um, gain experience in the world and um, increasing levels of judgment and wisdom about how to take care of patients. 
Um, the science will never be the complete answer. And so one needs to really fill in that gap with uh, judgment derived from experience. That increase in judgment is really a process of dismantling narrow assumptions and expanding the vision that a young physician has uh, regarding the landscape around them, the needs of a patient. Um, all of us, as we age, gain an experience and that inevitably gives us a broader and broader view of things. That is um, exactly what we're talking about. It's dismantling very narrow assumptions and allowing us to have a broader view of what of our work and the problems that we're facing. And I would add as a philosopher, prior to clinical work, my role as a philosopher is really to train uh, medical students to be better thinkers, to be critical thinkers. This is especially relevant to clinical judgments and how we integrate a concept, a philosophical concept like practical wisdom in this type of work. You know, as a clinician, um, you're going to be confronted to, uh, to uh, you're going to have to make wise judgments because you're dealing with a patient in a particular state there is a disease. There might be a question of life and death. So how do you make those uh, wise judgments? So my role is really to um, evaluate how students make these, uh, these judgments and help give them the tools to be better thinkers, to, to analyze, et cetera, et cetera. So I see, uh, yes, I see my role as doing this type of work within the context of medicine. So where does the challenge piece come in? How does that manifest itself like in a class that you're teaching, Fabrice? How are you bringing the opportunity to challenge these held beliefs and other elements of critical thinking in a way that prompts and promotes students' growth and development? So the strategy uh, that we have, and uh, so there, there is a new curriculum at MCW uh, Fusion, and within that curriculum, we have the Good Doctor course, and Dr. Pavlik is the director of the course. And within that course, what we do, we have some sessions where we discuss uh, topics like practical wisdom, human flourishing, etc. And so the way we approach it is, first, we start with the medical student as a person. Who are they? So we want to make sure they understand who they are as more agents. And it's important to emphasize that dimension, especially when we think, when we talk, or when I discuss these, these various topics with medical students, they just say, well, um, my agency is, um, is irrelevant to these discussions. What we try to do is to really emphasize them as medical students. And then we, we, we ask them to think about, you know, the three dimensions of medicine, as I mentioned, science, art, techne, and the virtue. And then we, we uh, try to uh, talk to them about what does it mean to flourish? Um, and then, uh, and this is more about, I would say, the personal side. And then we add a second dimension, which is more the, the student as a future professional. And so we ask them to think about what does it mean to have a professional more identity? What is the nature of profession, especially in the context of medicine? What is the What are you professing as you become a physician? Um, and then how do you flourish in that environment? And how do you integrate wisdom? So all of that is 
we we hope that they're gonna have the tools to think about the the medical profession and who they are as agents and future uh, physicians. I like the idea of pushing them in domains that directly relate to their practice and understanding them so that the idea of critical reflection and dialogue, they see how it adds up into something more. That's really cool. Jim, what about at Pritzker? Yeah, at Pritzker, we found multiple ways to use philosophy to benefit our our trainees and and hopefully in the long term, our patients. Um, We found that actually it's useful in two ways. One is a curricular content, which is something that Fabrice was just referring to. Uh, But it turns out probably the one of the most powerful ways philosophy can impact training is through educational practices that are informed by philosophy. That is that administrators and teachers and leaders like myself um, are better informed about these ideas and concepts, and we use them to better organize our educational experience on the curricular side, on the student affairs side, on the admission side, on the residency application side. Um, As you've just mentioned, Um, And as I referred to back when I said that actually college fell a little bit flat in terms of philosophy, and it was only after I had been in practice for many years that philosophy began to really make sense in a genuine, authentic, and meaningful way. Practice uh, while studying philosophy um, is really necessary in order for one to understand the value of the philosophic uh, concepts. And and so the didactics are merely reflection opportunities, opportunities for reframing what you've experienced in your practice environment. And at Pritzker in the preclinical curriculum, it turns out student affairs can create all kinds of practice environments. We can actually work as a community, including students, staff, and faculty on improving um, diversity, equity, inclusion in our community, uh, which has many different philosophic facets to it that, that actually um, if you understand them, benefit your ability to improve diversity and inclusion in your environment. Um, the residency application process, career planning, student government, free clinics, service in general, these are all wonderful opportunities to um, to practice and then reflect on uh, the work that's been done and our development of professional identity through the lens of philosophic concepts. Um, And this provides a much richer and deeper experience for our students that hopefully translates into better outcomes. So the two of you, I think naturally, by the fact that you're partners on this venture and other work, you have seen your two ways of thinking start to align about doing things. But I'm wondering, with other colleagues, as you reflect on this combination of philosophy and medicine, are there areas where you see gaps, where medicine doesn't seem to reflect philosophical thinking, where philosophy seems to ignore medicine? And are there times with those colleagues where you've had to try to overcome those gaps? Absolutely. Uh, This is one of the reasons over the past 10 years, I've gotten so excited about this project because the opportunities to benefit medical education and medicine seem rather large. Um, if you look at the, the literature in either clinical care or medical education, you'll see that the overwhelming majority of the articles um, that are in our key journals all subscribe to, again, a very narrow set of assumptions. Um, and they lead to the development of some very wonderful tools, but left unanswered 
is how to use those tools in a complex environment to provide customized care for individual patients to address the needs of particular communities, uh, to attend to the costs of care, um, to attend to the wellness of our practitioners while simultaneously providing outstanding care. Uh, and so um, these narrow sets of assumptions that we work with have really limited and handcuffed us in our ability to do much better work supporting all these different um, constituencies. And let me just say quickly, because I think people listening to the podcast may think that we are trying to trash uh, bioscience or say science is not useful. And I'll just speak to that for one second to, to make sure people understand that's not the case. We are blessed as a profession for having such an outstanding, um, in a sense, research and development operation that produces these incredible technologies. But it's important to recognize that rigor in patient care is not the same as rigor in science. And the gap between the two of those is something that needs to be addressed if we are to provide outstanding care for our patients. And science by itself cannot answer those questions. And so the purpose of this podcast and the work that Fabrice and I are doing are trying to fill that gap in a way that we can maximize the impact of these wonderful uh, products of, of, of the research that's being done um, across the country. Yeah, and, and I agree totally with Jim. Um, and, and I would add that my role, I mean, from my um, philosophical perspective, I would say that uh, the problem I see, it's very difficult in the beginning of my work as a philosopher being in, in, in the medical school is to bring these concepts and show their relevance. The problem is, again, it's a metaphysical uh, framework that is at play, what I call technoscience, meaning science and technology are the lens through which we try to solve problems in medicine. And my role is to take students or colleagues who are willing to, to go into that journey, to take them outside that world and say, think a little bit differently. Think in terms of uh, humanistic um, disciplines and how this is relevant to the practice of medicine. So there are challenges. It's not easy to do. I, as a philosopher in a medical school, I had to really um, show them why my role is, uh, I, I have a role in a medical school. And, and so there are challenges, but Jim and I, when we started having this conversation, I realized he was interested in philosophy and I was interested in, in making a, uh, a contribution to, to medical education, to clinical practice, et cetera. So I think it's that dynamic and you have to find the right people to do this type of work. And then I, I, I totally agree with Jim that we're not trying to trash uh, what is occurring in medicine. I think we made a lot of progress, but I think there was a disconnect between medicine, the scientific dimension, technical dimension of medicine and the humanistic side. And the role is to bring these two insights back together as it historically, it was the case. So um, yes, so I'm gonna stop here. Make, make this example a little more concrete for us, Fabrice. So you talked about the technoscience side of medicine. And I think that's something that everyone can relate to, right? Well, we need a new drug to solve this problem. We need a new whatever it could be. There's got to be something external that we create, and that's going to solve our problems. You can watch television. 
uh, especially broadcast TV for about 10 minutes before you're bombarded with some kind of drug ad, a new pill to combat something or other. Uh, I, I, I was going to make a joke about uh, some of the wild medicines developed. I'm not even going to do that. Uh, it's it's almost too sensitive of a subject. Uh, so what's an example where you've seen this techno science thinking that was limiting and you really wanted to bring in that humanistic side to help broaden our perspective of what was going on? What's a concrete example of that? Well, I don't know if it's relevant, but the 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 what I see in culture in general, we have a medical problem. Instead of, you know, trying to address it in light of what it means to be an agent, what it means to be a human being and take responsibility for particular actions. I'll take it, maybe it, it, it's going to be a dumb example, but heartburn, right? We have issues with heartburn. Our instinct is to say, and you talk about you know, commercials. Well, eat all the pizza you want. You have a heartburn, take a pill. Instead of thinking, well, try to think differently in terms of cooking, in terms of the food you eat, in terms of exercising, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always, you know, I feel depressed. Well, take a pill. Um, I have an issue regarding uh, uh well you know um cholesterol take a pill now change your diet so this is the mindset that we always refer back to technology there must be a technological solution for everything you know um now we have to step back and say maybe we need to be a little bit more proactive we need to work on prevention our system is not based on uh, prevention. It's rather, well, we want more people to be sick so we can make more money, right? And it's this type of mindset that we need to change in, in, in medicine. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it, it's really about, you know, this idea that technology will solve our problems with the environment, uh, health issues, human relationship, geopolitical uh, issues. It also makes me think that some of these fundamental assumptions that we have that we need to challenge are not entirely rooted in the science or the technical side of things, that there's also assumptions that we can bring in from the humanistic side about people's ability to change, about how our environment interacts with our behavior or constrains our behavior. You know, it might be nice to say, hey, you're experiencing heartburn, well, stop eating these foods. But of course, we know for some people, there aren't an abundant number of other types of foods that they might choose to eat instead. And I, I, I like to see how all these things are coming together as we think about and underscore the value of philosophy and medical education, because here's another opportunity for us to challenge things. Jim, what was coming into your head as Fabrice was kind of giving that example? Was there another example that popped into your head? Well, yes. I, I, I think that we spend a lot of time focused on technology, but I think Fabrice has has had this conversation with me before. It's not just about the technology. It's about the um, the assumptions and the values and the framework of, of science itself that are, are wonderful for producing tools, but not really um, as useful for solving complex problems. Uh, let me give you an example. When I was a trainee, when... I was coming up, I was taught to critically appraise the literature very carefully. 
because the understanding was that this was just evidence. It wasn't the truth. Um, and it certainly wasn't the truth for the patient that was sitting in front of you. Because of the development of, I, I believe, the electronic medical record, the pressures on physicians to be more productive, an emphasis on efficiency, I feel like 30 years later, we are much more likely to simply practice recipe type medicine, which is to apply the averages coming out of these studies uh, across the board for all our patients. And we don't really have much of a second thought about it. We rationalize in our mind, well, that avoids any kind of bias and we're using the best available evidence. So standardizing these interventions makes perfect sense. But we're ignoring the fact that behind that average is a bell curve of responses, uh, representing a wide variety of patient um, responses to that treatment. Uh, and uh, that actually by standardizing, by going with pure standardization through our electronic medical records or through our failure to critically appraise the literature as it applies to an individual patient, um, we are actually worsening um, uh, the disparities or at least perpetuating them as we care for patients. So, so there's this assumption that somehow standardization is going to, to fix um, the disparities that we have in our patient population. And while it may help address disparity that is associated with the biased judgment of physicians, it actually, um, it actually doesn't do anything and in some cases harms the disparity that is coming from social determinants and the particular context that our, pa our patients live in. Um, and, and I think we need to acknowledge that and we need to actually go beyond standardization we have to understand that these concepts, again, are simply tools and that it is contingent upon us to have um, the judgment and the responsiveness to context to provide optimal care to each of our patients. So, so I see this as uh, not just about technology, but about a way of thinking that has become deeply ingrained uh, in our training pathways and in our practices for a variety of reasons. Could I add just a... a a quick point, um, just to clarify, when I, I talk about technoscience, technoscience is not just to to use the tools of technology to to address the, the type of problems you mentioned. Technoscience is an ideology. Ideology, in a sense, it's a set of assumptions about how we see the world. So this is why philosophical work in light of what we just, what uh, Jim mentioned is key because it's not just from a practical standpoint, but it's also from a kind of philosoph um, philosophical standpoint in terms of the ideas that are communicated through science and technology. This idea of simplicity, being pragmatic, utilitarian, as opposed to stepping back and see the reality in a very complex way and try to use the, the tools of science and technology to address them with the insights of the social sciences and the humanities. So let me draw some connections here, which is gonna take us into our next topic, which is really thinking about medical education and what this brings. So I'm hearing, from Jim, this idea that the abundance of evidence that we have and our ability to get that evidence with a few clicks on a keyboard, we can find whatever the latest study is. We can find the latest meta-analysis or a meta-analysis of meta-analyses. 
telling us this is the answer. Here it is. And the outcome then is this sort of, you know, recipe medicine. Well, these are the steps you follow and it will lead to this outcome. At the same time, we have this techno science mindset that maybe our students are coming in with. Technology and science are here to solve our problems. That's why they exist. And the solutions to our problems exist in the increasing development of technology and science. That's where we're going to find our answers. At the same time, we have medical students. Now, this is this is a bit of a broad judgment. You feel free to disagree. But I think we have many medical students coming in today who have more concern and have given more thought to the disparities that exist in our society. You know, the notion of racial and ethnic disparities, of other indicators of you know socioeconomic status and this disparities that exist there. I think it's more top of mind for many of our students today. They have lived in a world in which this is a common thing for people to discuss in the classroom and in the dorm room. It's something that's going on. It's a, it's a big topic of conversation. I'm wondering, with the alignment of those features present in medical education today, do you see an opportunity for a fundamental shift in how we're bringing philosophy into medical education and our expectations for what it can lead to with our medical students? Well, of course, I think there are opportunities. Otherwise, I wouldn't be pursuing um, (laughs) this work. Um, I don't think it represents a greater opportunity necessarily than has existed before because uh, one can be motivated but continue to have um, misplaced assumptions uh, to to make um, metaphysical missteps in in one's way of applying this. We see this regularly where people who are passionate about an issue um, really push a particular solution. And um, they believe that uh, because they're passionate about it, their solution should be the one that's accepted. When in fact, the question of, of your passion is a separate one from whether that is the right solution for the problem. Uh, so there certainly is an opportunity here to, to actually um, utilize the tenor of discussion amongst our youngest colleagues that is a now pervading, I would, I would argue, our entire profession in a good way uh, to actually go back and reassess why is it that these disparities persist despite our standardization, despite our our use of evidence. And I'm hoping that they will come to the conclusion that actually um, standardization doesn't really translate into equity. Um, uh, And and actually, if you just go to the images on Google images uh, of equity, you'll see the illustrations. The classic is the picture of these three children standing behind a fence trying to look at a baseball game One's very tall, one's medium height, one's very short. And when you use a standard intervention, which is the same size box for all of them, uh, the tallest can actually see the baseball game, but the other two can't. Um, And so standard interventions do not promote equity. They perpetuate uh, inequity. And um, and so let's take it. I, I like the idea, Mike. Let's let's translate this enthusiasm for disparities and and uh, and equity in our healthcare system by asking tough questions about how it is we plan on addressing it because standardization is not going to do it. I agree with Jim's evaluation. One point that I would like to add is yes, medical students are interested in addressing disparities. My question is what tools are we going to use or are they going to use or they're proposing? And if they want more technology, like artificial intelligence is a good example, 
we think that artificial intelligence will solve a lot of these problems uh, by, again, putting the, the, the focus on standardization, et cetera, et cetera. In my view, it's a deeper problem. If we have these disparities, it's a more problem we have in our society. And while we, we have such gaps, it means something is wrong in terms of how we understand ourselves as a human being, how we relate to other uh, human beings. And we have to, to, to provide that insight. Of course, technology can help us. But I think ultimately it has to be about us human beings are, as agents and how we're going to relate to other and how do we build better communities, how we understand the common good. And um, and from there, then we can start talking about AI and other technologies. I hope one of the topics you tackle in, in one of your upcoming episodes does touch on this notion of technological tools seems to me quite naturally, perhaps, that medical education is always playing catch up when it comes to technology. Because of course, medical education isn't about creating new technological tools. That's not its role. So naturally, it has to follow the lead. At the same time, the more that we end up having to be responsive to whatever new tool is coming out and now find a magical way to integrate it into medical education, I worry that it ignores the wisdom accumulated over years and years of how to do medical education by now saying, well, this is the new thing. So bring it on in to medical education. Um, in your work, and when you reflect on the speed of change uh, of things that happen with technology and science, is it causing medical education to lag behind? Or, or do you feel that you are still able to, to build something that has a robust enough framework that can keep up with whatever the changes are going on outside. We have a framework of medical education that is responsive. I, I think that you bring up a, a really huge problem. We, we ran into a situation many decades ago already where uh, it became impossible for an individual student to learn everything that one needed to know in order to practice medicine. But for some reason, our medical education uh, curriculum still focuses on this idea of somehow filling students with information uh, in order to help them be successful as a clinician. I would hope that, and I know that many of my colleagues are thinking avidly about this issue and have begun to build new models that account for the fact that, you know, a, a, an education that's based purely on knowledge is not going to uh, be possible anymore. Uh, and instead, we have to actually prepare people to be adaptable, that is to be able to look up information, to learn new information quickly as you are taking care of a particular patient, uh, to know when to ask for help and who to ask help from, and that these are going to be larger elements uh, of a medical education. Uh, so I think you bring up an important problem about keeping up with the pace of, an, of the development of technical uh, knowledge um, and technology. Um, I also think that part of our job as educators has always been to focus on training humans um, how to use technologies. I think um, especially um, two or three decades ago, it focused purely on the technology, but we've gotten a little bit smarter about that and in terms of recognizing the technologies by themselves are not going to uh, treat our patients effectively. We need humans that um, know how to use judgment to use the technology. Um, uh, for the benefit of our patients. 
Um, and I'm hoping that actually we do a better and better job as time goes on. And to, to build on this point, um, but maybe I, I will provide a more critical perspective. It seems to me we come to a point, especially in relation to artificial intelligence and the, the type of robots that we are developing. It used to be the case that technology was used to serve human ends. But now technology is, is influence, influencing us. It's shaping us. And so the reflection that we have to, to do in the context of medicine and clinical practice is to see how these technologies are, whether these technologies are dehumanizing clinical care, dehumanizing the physician as a more agent, as a physician, as a professional, but also the patient. And I think it's uh, to go back to, to, to this, this question, the original question, I think in my view, and depends on, on I, I suppose, depends on the institution. Uh, but we are always a little bit behind because they're developing the technology and then us, uh, those who think about medical education and the implications of this technology, we have to say, oh, how do we integrate that in, in uh, clinical practice, but also in medical education? And so it's part of the, it's part of the process. But I think we need to be more proactive because now we have very powerful technologies and we have to be proactive. We have to think about what is how we're going to train these future physicians uh, about how to use these tools in a responsible, ethical and not dehumanizing way. And I think one more comment about this that um, hopefully helps the audience just sort of have a big picture view of this. I think this idea of falling behind knowledge and technology in a medical education curriculum, again, has certain assumptions or perspectives that are problematic in themselves. Um, it, and, and it actually illustrates the point that Fabrice just made. Imagine that the uh, medical uh, vehicle, the, the medical uh, profession is a vehicle moving forward uh, in the best possible way to take care of patients. It, it turns out what we've developed is a uh, primary vehicle, which is science and technology. And unfortunately, uh, the humanities and other aspects of care have become a sidecar to the main vehicle. And whenever there's time pressure, um, we decide to go purely with the science and technology piece because that meets our notion of rigor. Uh, granted, it's a, it's a definition of rigor that's purely scientific. It, it, it has no um, place for the patient, honestly, um, in it, which is why our patients are getting upset. Now, when you build a, a professional vehicle that emphasizes science and technology, and um, the human part of it is simply a sidecar, then you are always going to be asking the question, are we keeping up with the science and technology? Are we keeping up with the science and technology? And I think that's the wrong relationship. I mean, what, what Fabrice is pointing out is that that is sort of um, that construction is the result of technology's influence on us. The success of all these tools, uh, including financial success of these tools, has made them primary and made the human aspects of what we do sort of um, optional um, and, and expendable in a time-pressured environment. When in fact, it has always been the case that the human experience uh, should be the center of our work, and that the tools that we use, including scientific uh, tools and technologies, 
are the sidecar. They're the toolbox that we use to provide care to communities, uh, to individual patients, uh, to people who are struggling with disparities because of their circumstances. Um, so if we actually create that new arrangement, which is centering the human experience, uh, both the patient experience, the practitioner experience, um, and then acknowledging that these very powerful tools are important and in fact essential for providing great care, but, but remembering that they are just tools and therefore the sidecar, I think we're gonna do a much better job of satisfying our patients' needs. We're gonna do a much better job of making decisions about how to use those tools, uh, some of which are becoming incredibly powerful. We're talking about AI is, is gonna be arriving in a big way um, in medicine um, and CRISPR is there. Uh, the tools are neither good or bad. <laughs> what will make them good or bad is what we, the main vehicle here, choose to do with these things and how we intend to use them. And so the focus of our medical education should be on the humans that are actually gonna be responsible for our healthcare system in the next 30 years, on the humans that are gonna be taking care of us in our older age. And, um, and if we are not keeping up with the latest thing in, um, in sort of technology, then that's not as big a problem as long as we have a group of people we can trust to make good decisions about how to use the tools that are available. So we're all on this motorcycle together. We're moving forward. And uh, let's imagine we've got the audience riding right along. They're looking ahead for where this motorcycle, this podcast motorcycle is taking them. Last question for our conversation today. What should the audience be most excited about in the upcoming conversations they're going to be hearing in this series? Well, um, so with regard to the next episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the metaphysics of medicine, because I think it's an important topic. It's key to the type of work we want to do. And if we want to transform or if we want medical education to evolve, not necessarily transform, we don't need to change it, but medical education has to evolve. We need to go deep and in some ways question some of these assumptions that we discussed today. And so this is one aspect. The other aspect I would say is when we talk about the physician as a humanist, what do we mean? And we need to, to have a better understanding of what we mean by, you know, human, humane, humanistic, or um, all these questions related to our human identity and uh, are key to the type of work we want to do. Because ultimately, medical education is about having future professionals who will flourish in the profession. And if these individuals flourish, it will impact patients. So ultimately, this is what we are aiming at. And so we are excited about the various topics that we're gonna address in the, the, in the podcast. So as I mentioned, we're gonna have uh, a deeper dive into the metaphysics of medicine, but we're gonna also talk about human flourishing. We're gonna talk about the virtues, the role of practical wisdom. And we're going to have uh, guests, we're going to have um, physicians, medical students, maybe patients, other philosophers, 
and have a conversation about these topics because we want to have a holistic approach to what we want to do and the type of conversation we want to have through the podcast. And Mike, I would just uh, make more general comments about what we hope to accomplish with the podcast and what we hope to deliver on our uh, future episodes. Uh, as I work with my colleagues and have for the past 30 years, one of the things I've noted about them is that they are excited about new ideas. They're excited to learn. Um, and, and so I just want those in the audience to think about the opportunity to explore ideas they've never explored before, ideas that just it just so happens um, may very well improve one's judgment as one approaches the bedside to take care of patients. Um, and uh, ideas that actually enhance those faculties that we have always associated with the professional. Uh, one of my concerns is we're getting better and better at training technicians, but we're not really emphasizing enough what it means to be a professional. What we're talking about here is the substance of being a professional. Uh, the difference between a technician and a professional is not their knowledge base or even the technology. Uh, technicians have access to all of that knowledge and technology that we do as professionals. The difference is someplace else than the technology um, and the science. It's actually in our ability as practitioners to navigate complexity using a set of values that we have shared with each other over the years back hundreds, some would argue thousands of years, um, the opportunity uh, to sit in on a conversation around those elements of what it means to be a professional, I think is something that would be fun and exciting. And I look forward to those conversations, um, even conversations with um, our audience, because we'll be asking people to send in questions and we hope to be responsive to those questions. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to mention that too. Uh, we have a an email address for the podcast. And I want to just mention uh, the email address, which is pmetalmeded at gmail.com. P-M-E-T-A-L-M-E-D-E-D -E -E at gmail.com. And the goal is we hope the audience will come back to us, maybe make some comments about the content, maybe make suggestions in terms of topics that we should address, or simply... Um, uh, be part of the, our community. So the role, uh, the idea is to have a community followers and we have this conversation about what Jim mentioned in terms of how do we build a professional identity, uh, but also about what it means to be human in the context of medicine uh, and how to be a humanistic doctor. I love this. I'm so excited about it. It was great to hear the passion that you two bring today. And I think our audience is going to have a lot to enjoy and a lot to dig into with these conversations. Um, and I'll put that email address in the show notes. So anyone looking to contact Fabrice or Jim, find that in your show notes, click on that and send your comments and questions over to them. Well, Fabrice Jodorand, Jim Woodruff, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for including us. Thank you, Michael. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. It was great to have you. I'm Michael Brown, and I look forward to bringing you another episode of Medical Education Matters soon.